With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Your head assistant is a baseball coach. <laughs> Jimmy. And your homie one. Like, yo, don't know shit about basketball. And you going to try to tell me how to run this and how to do that? No. Hey, yo, if I was trying to learn how to throw a fastball or a slider, I'm going to talk to you, Jimmy. But <laughs> you ain't shit. You ain't shit, bro. Welcome back to another episode of Let's Get Technical with Bonzi Wells and your boy, She Wallace. You know what I'm saying? And Bonzi, I just want to jump right into it, good brother. Yeah. I definitely enjoy talking with our brethren, Damon Stoudemire, a.k.a. Biggie Smalls. Yeah. You know, he joined the coaching staff of another friend of ours, uh, Coach Ime Udoka, up there in Boston. And, man, I just I just want to talk tonight. Let's, let's talk about some coaches, man. You know what I'm saying? Let's talk about how some of the cats you fucked with, some dudes you didn't like, you know, who did what, who taught you an important lesson, and, you know, who's the dude you could have kicked in the ass and ran out the door or whatever. So I just want to get into this whole coaching game, man, because I think it's changing the game, bro, you know, with on on both levels, on the collegiate level and on the professional level. I think it's – I think it's definitely changing for sure. So off the back, I'm going to ask you, because you played what, 12, 13 years in the league? I wish, she. I got 11, man. Leave okay, I, I was close. Something like that, 30 <laughs> dozen. Something like that, bro. You know? So I just, who's your favorite coaches that you play with? Give me – that's. I, I ain't going to make it long. Give me your top three. How about that? Give me your top three coaches that you fuck with. And, you know, you can mention as far as the, the subpar – they could be your other two or whatever, but give me a top three you fuck with, Cuddy. Man, you know, she, man, um, that coach, you know, we don't have so many problems with coaches and misconception with coaches over these years. You know, once, you know, the, the media, you, you know, back then when we were playing, you know, the media, you right. know, getting a hold of you having one little ruckus or one little frickus with a coach, boy, you, you, you know, you, 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 you damn forever, you know, because, you know, you could never really get into it with the coaches and ne- you never could have had a, vo- a voice against a coach. You know, you never. Free. Yeah, you couldn't even have an opinion. And that's what that's what I hated about it. But, you know, the game back then. But that's what I also love about the game now, because you can get your opinion out there. Like, mm-hmm. you know, these coaches just ain't always right. And that's what's cool about it now. But not saying they're not wrong. You know what I'm saying? So. Right. You know, and I've had some some great coaches along the way. Um, you know, especially my you know in, in my college days. Obviously, you know, I had my, my college coach Ray McCollum. That was my guy. He was my 
he was my brother. He raised me through it. But some of the NBA coaches that I had, man, I mean, if I think about some of the best coaches in the NBA that I ever had, I mean, I started at the top for me was Hubie Brown. And, and, and the you thing about you. You know, and the thing I loved about Hubie, bro, Hubie was a real one. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Hubie, Hubie will look you in your eyes and literally tell you he don't fuck with you. Or he'll, or he'll let you know he fuck with you. You know what I'm saying? Because and he'll tell you what he want from you. If you ain't doing your job, if he know you want some bullshit, he'll, mm-hmm. let you, he'll let you know. But what I love the most about Hubie Brown, he was a teacher of the game. You know yes, what I'm saying? Yes, he was. He was a teacher, <laughs> bro, like... He made sure that you understood consistency is what this game is all about. Consistency, knowing your job and going out there doing your job. And we had like, and and we might have thought it was some of the most basic practices because you kind of did the same thing every single day. But Uh it was just making sure we were ready. Repetition. Yeah, it was repetition of it because when we got on the game, it was just so we were so programmed to do these different things that I never played really in a system like this. And QB just had QB just had us playing at a high level he had a plan for every aspect of the game from top to bottom win losses how we practice how we eat how we travel just everything our mindset and that's what that was my first time really 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 getting coached from top to bottom so you know hubie's my guy for me you know hubie's the best and and, you know i can go on and on you know i've had some great coaches you know my second best coach for me was rick adelman you know, I've had some, uh, you know, I, lo- I love Rick Adelman. Rick Adelman was, you know, an awesome coach. He was a player's coach. And, you know, he was just the type of coach, you know, when you get a veteran guy, like when I, like I by, by the time I got to Rick, he was just like, bro, listen, man, this come to your job. I ain't going to be on your back. I don't, I don't care what all the bullshit people were saying about you before you got here. I, don't, I know that'd be bullshit. I played in this league. So, you know, I, I've been coaching in this league, so I get it. He said, man, just come do your job and go home and be a father. And I was like, man, I love you for it. And he and he kept it as simple as that. It wasn't high tech, and I and I really respected him. And you know, some other coaches that I played for um, that I loved, and I they were more assistant coaches than than anything. She and as you know, assistant coaches you become cooler with them than you do the head coaches. You know, right? I think about the, great, the great Bill Musselman. You know, he was one of the first ones, if if not the first coach, to put in my mind rest in peace, coach that. That, that that told me I deserve to be in this league. You know, he he was he was putting that in my head when I wasn't playing my rookie year. When mm-hmm. I was just on the bench, he was like, "Man, keep your head up, kid. You can play. You can do it. If I have my own team, you'll be starting for me." He's telling me stuff like that. <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't was, I don't know if he was keeping it real, but he was. I mean, I don't know if he was. You know, this. You know, if that was a real thing, but he was telling me that kept me going. You know, you had the great. You know, Tony Brown, Tim Gergeridge. Oh, man. You know, Tim Gergeridge. You had a. Uh, El- you had Elston Turner. You know, you had so many coaches that was just spend countless hours with you to kind of get you ready. And that's, that's what it was cool for me. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, but I mean, I, that, that was just, you know, a few mentors and, and, and Sheet, I know, you know, it's been well documented with you, documented with you about you having a riff with coaches, you being a hothead and people don't really truly understand Sheet, the type of person you really are. And, all, you know, and, and I tell people you're a one of one. Don't get it twisted. You are a crazy motherfucker in your own way, and, but in a good way. Cause I feel like I'm crazy. So it's a method to my madness. But when you left Portland, it was crazy to me because it seemed like when you got the Detroit, you know, and 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 you got on that team of, of veteran guys, a team that was ready for a championship. But LB, it seemed like y'all just clicked. Tell me about, you know, what I'm saying was LB one of the coaches that you feel like was one of the best? Give me your list. Hey, bro, let me tell you this. Yeah. The the coaches that I fuck with the most and it's no no particular order. Um, uh, my guy Jimmy Lynham, 
Um, he was my coach my rookie year when I was with the Washington Bullets. That was my guy because Jimmy was a straight shooter, dog. Like, yeah. he'll let you know, like, all right, tonight, you know, hey, go ahead and get your extra warm-ups in because you're going to be playing tonight. And if not, we're like, hey, kid, you know, I just need you cheering from the bench tonight. Just relax, sit back and relax. You know, he, <laughs> great. he, he didn't have me on edge like, damn, is, is, is coach going to put me in? Is he going to put yeah. me in now? Am I going in now, coach? You know, he ain't had me on edge. He let me know straight up. And, you know, I respect him from that. And he's also a Philly guy. And um, I would say the other coaches that I like, uh, of course, uh, Larry Brown, which I call him pound for pound. With LB. LB. You know, pound for pound. That's it was it was easy to answer your question, too, with that transition, dog. It was easy, bro, because yeah. a lot of a lot of what LB run is a lot of Carolina shit. Low key, of course, with his own flair on it. But, uh, you know, the secondary that we that we ran in Detroit um, was the Carolina play. Some of the out of bounds plays, baseline, sideline, all of that. Yeah. So when I got traded up here, I was like, oh, we good. Like it, it automatically that's what helped me fit in more with the offense, because a lot of that was in that Carolina system that I learned with Coach Smith and that we always carry with. You know, all of the Carolina guys, no matter who it is, if it's a Carolina coach or, or a coach that went to Carolina, I guarantee you they running uh, two pretty much dominant plays. We always ran at Carolina. So it's, it's always like that. And from there, I was like, man, like LB know what the hell he talking about. He know his X's and O's. I mean, I already knew it, but I knew it then from seeing it from afar. But yeah. seeing it up close, you know, having him, my coach, seeing him every day in practice and, you know, in game situations and this and that. It's yeah. like, yo, he knows X's and O's. You know how some some head coaches, they got that good key assistant that's either defensive-minded or offensive-minded? Well, yeah. LB is all that shit wrapped up in one, yo. Like, he got some shit on offense. You know, he got he got uh, – a basic defense, but then he leaves it all on you. And the way the type of coach he is, he's not going to yell at you. He's yeah. not going to cuss at you. He's going to make you feel bad by just keeping a calm demeanor, saying a couple of words. And then you're going to be like, damn. damn, coach, right. Let me go out here and stop bullshitting and do this. Yeah. And, that. and then I would have to say my last coach that, that I like in, in the league that I played for um, was Mike Woodson. Well, I would say between Mike Woodson and and PJ Carlissimo, I had PJ when I first got traded out to um to Portland, and we oh, had a little bit of history already. That's what made me like him and know what he was talking about because we had history already. When he was at um, Seton Hall, he was recruiting me when I was in high school, so I knew what type of coach he was. Yeah, he yelling, yeah, he cussing, and all that, but it was the same shit I was getting at home with my mom. Boy, clean up. <laughs> Yeah, you know, my high school coach. I'm my high school coach was a marine drill sergeant. So, you know, I was I was getting all that custom stuff. That's why I like PJ. Again, as you said, all these coaches that I'm naming two bonds were straight shooters. Man, they didn't beat around a bush. They didn't send the assistant to go talk to you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like we we've been through that a whole lot, where they send the assistant down there. Like, man, go talk to him. He's he's tripping. He's bugging. Yeah. No, you come talk to me, punk. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Don't send him. You come talk to me. Let's hash this out. So I, I would say them, them was my coaches that I messed with. And to tag on to what you said about your, your guy, Hubie Byrne. Yeah. I was 16 years old, bro. And 
Yeah, I was about 15, 16 years old and went to a five-star basketball camp up in um, Honesdale, Pennsylvania. Shout out to my man, Gar Finkel. And um, who was there at the camp that week? Hubie Brown. Oh, and man. that's where I first got my taste of the NBA or taste of the real world. Because, again, even back then, Bonds, and we talking about like early 90s, even back then, bro. Yeah. Straight shooter. He pounded. I don't care if I hurt your feelings or not. I'm going to tell you yep. what you need to hear. That's Hubie. And he ran one of the – it was a station called um, Station 13. And that was always the hardest station because there was nothing but defensive drills. There was no basketball. Mm -hmm. And he ran this station one day, and I loved it. And that's what made put, – helped put me into that mindset. So, yeah, I, I feel you, though, with Hubie, man. He's a straight shooter like crazy. He let you know what's good and what's not. Yeah, man. I mean, Hubie was the best, man. I mean, I, I love him, man. If I could mold any coaching style, it will be after Hubie in terms of, you know, obviously he's a, he's a, he's a hell of an X and O's guy, but just the realness yeah. of it, just, you know, and, and he wasn't trying to relate to you. He wasn't trying to, I mean, not, not in terms of trying to be your homie and all that stuff. He just yeah. kept it real. I'm your coach. I'm your coach. I'm yeah. here to coach you. You're here to do your job. And that's, you know, and I, and I respected him so much about that, but, but like you just said earlier, man, let's, and we and we got to talk about it. Let's talk about some of the punks of it. Some of them punk ass coaches, like like you call them some punks. Let's talk about some of them punks, man. Some of them coaches that we had that you can just because you know, like like people got to understand, like like you know, sometimes people go to their, their, their job and they don't like their boss. You know, what I'm saying? it's okay not to like your boss, but you still got to work with them. And people yeah. used to always handle us like, yo, the coaches. I hate it when these coaches get caught up in the sauce that. They know that no matter what happens between player-coach relationship, they're going to win the battle when it comes to the opinions of the world. Through the, I'm through the, I got my, I'm gonna keep my job. I'm gonna keep my job because I'm gonna paint the picture that the player was is always wrong, and that's always been the narrative. Yep. So she, give me a few, give me a few coaches, and we ain't trying to throw coaches under the bus, but we just keep it real because we're coaches now too, so we're not trying to burn that bridge. Let's, but we got to tell our stories. Let's talk about a few coaches, she that you think. That that's some punks. Let's just call them some punks, and we'll really be like fuck them in real life. Man, for for me, off top, um, and it, and it's crazy. The crazy thing about it for me, off top, the coach that I I, I don't fuck with the most is uh, Mike Dunleavy Senior. And, and, and why I say it's so crazy because I love his kids. My guy, you know, James the Baker, um, and and Mike Junior. They cool as hell. They cool as fuck. All of them. But it's yeah. just they pop, yo. And and so, like, I, I think the reason why I, I wouldn't put him as one of my most favorite coaches is because when it came down to X's and O's at the end of a lot of games, bro, that was on us. That was on us and Damon. And I, well, I'm going to say Damon and, and uh, Pitt because, you know, they were our main point guards at the time. Even before Pitt got there with Damon being our starting point guard and so a lot of the things we had to do and figure out from being young players in the league because I wasn't too confident on his skill set as a coach. Now, yeah, I know Mike played in the NBA and, you know, he was a shooting guard. He did this. So you got to respect him a little bit for the fact that he played in an elite club. I'm with you. But, damn, dog, you, to me, he, he wasn't a good coach with X's and O's. And then also – as I got older in my NBA career, looking back at it, like your head assistant is a baseball coach. <laughs> Jimmy, 
Yeah, your homie, like, yo, don't know shit about basketball, and you gonna try to tell me how to run this and how to do that? No, hey, yo, if I was trying to learn how to throw a fastball or a slider, I'm gonna talk to you, Jimmy. But <laughs> you ain't shit. You ain't shit, bro. Yo, man, <laughs> man, I um, I um, was killing me, dog. And then you know, of course, he knew he had Mike's ear. Yeah, and this and that. So it's like, man, and then and then it really, really put me over the edge in that game seven when um we was playing the Lakers and we up sixteen with the ball and they dead ass tired and you call the timeout trying to look like he doing something like he wanted to be the coach of the year or whatever. Man, you got Phil Jackson sitting there with his legs crossed and arm folded. Uh, the big fella Shaq, you know he's. He's yeah, like into in the stands. You know, you got a couple of other players into the stands. They thought the game was over because there was six minutes left and we up 16. Yeah. But then, oh, let me call the timeout so I can get some TV time. And that's all. Every, downhill since then. B. Shaw hit the bank. You know, Shaq got the uh, got the alley-oop over me. Cody yeah. hit a couple shots. It was over from there, dog. So he he was my, my worst coach that I had. And then after that, I don't mean to talk about the dead, but after that, I didn't get along with – Flip Saunders too much as a coach. Now as a person, I fucks with Flip. Real yeah. talk, I yeah. fuck with good dude. You know, he look out for you. He's he's one of the few coaches who remember who remembers your kids' names and you know your family members' name, wife, and all of that. Um, but in between the lines, I didn't think he was a good coach. You know, because of the X's and O's. But you know, he had a couple of good plays here and there, but for me, man, it, it was just them two, man. And and uh, yeah, yeah, it was just them two, man. So I don't know about you, but that was my pick. So who was yours? Like I know you, hey, you played for a lot of cats too. Yeah, man. You know, I I I done been through some shit with some some of these coaches, man. You know, I done, I done, you know, there's a lot of it's a, it's a couple coaches out there. You know, it is what it is. They probably say the same, but I'd be like, you know, fuck you, and they probably like fuck me too. But my first. My first one, man, that I really don't fuck with, and that's and 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 I just don't fuck with him, man. That's Mike Fratello, and, and we, <laughs> Mike, little Mikey, look, look, man, little bitty five two ass Mike Fratello, five two size two Mike Fratello, and and it's crazy because I'm only saying that because you know when he you know he uh, he coached me in Memphis, you know he right. got the job when Hubie Brown got sick uh, midway through about the second season in Houston in uh, Memphis and everything was going well. We was coming off a 50 win season, best in the franchise history. We had some good stuff going on early in the season and Hub Hubie unfortunately got sick. Brings mm -hmm. Portello. So mind you, I'm starting. Everything's all good. We playing well. We got a great system going. He comes in the first day, and the reason why I say fuck him is that when he came in from day one, he let me know, and a few other guys they can attest to if we asked them that he wasn't fucking with us. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, what I'm saying I'm hooping, I'm playing good. We got the city, the city is hype. You know, we in Memphis, we balling, everybody is excited. And he came in there like, nah, uh, first day, uh, Bonzi switch your jersey over. Uh, a couple other guys switch your jersey over, woo woo, and just. From that moment on, wasn't even playing us, wasn't fucking with us at all. And we had about 40 games left in the season. He did us like that for like 40 games, kind of getting to the playoffs or whatever. And he really was just handling us. And we was just kind of like 20 and 20 when he probably was there. We was having 500 seasons. We wasn't, the right. energy wasn't there, but we kind of limped into the playoffs. So we go into the playoffs, bro. And this how this motherfucker going to try to handle me. 
this why I'm so <laughs> this is crazy as shit. This is funny. This is one of the Bonzi stories that anybody who played with me will probably say. So we in the playoffs and shit. We get we playing the Spurs or somebody, or we playing Phoenix or the Spurs or somebody, I can't remember. And we was down like 3-0 and everybody. And he wasn't playing us, none of us. He was wasn't playing me, Stromile Swift, Posey, Earl Watts. We weren't playing Posey neither. He was he he had his guys. He had his guys, which were Jay Will, Mike Miller. Shane Battier, Pal Gasol, and rest in peace to my brother Ren. Those were his guys, and you know what I'm saying a couple. So he was, so he wasn't, he wasn't rocking with us. So you know, we down after game two. You know, the fans booing or whatever, and he started playing us a little bit, trying to play us, and we played well and brought us back, but we didn't win. So you know, this is right before the sweep. So we, you know, he. This is the craziest shit. This is what he did. So we had, we usually have shoot around like ten o'clock, bro. <laughs> He go whisper to everybody in on the thing like, "Hey, I need y'all to come in at like nine fifteen for film or whatever." Everybody but me. So usually, you know, shoot around. <laughs> everybody but me, bro. This is the craziest shit. So I walk in. This this shoot around. So you ain't got to be there an hour early or whatever. You know, you can just walk in. You know, we kind of just walking through. So I get there about nine thirty. I'm I, I got my headphones on. I'm jamming to some stuff. I walk into the locker room. Everybody's in the locker room, bro. And he's talking to the team. And then when I walk in, he turns and looks at me. And he was just like, get back. And I'm like, what I do? He was just like, get back. And I'm like, I'm looking at the guys like, I thought something happened. I thought something really, really, really happened. I'm like, shit, what's Word. going on? So he come to me. He was like, hey, you know what I'm saying? We, we, you know what I'm saying? You come in here late, you dancing and all this and that. We don't need these distractions. I'm like, coach, what are you talking about? Practice don't start till 10. He's like, Bonzi, I told everybody to be here at 915. I said, bro, you didn't tell me that. Short story short, you know, long story short, I asked everybody. It was like, well, he came and told me personally, but he didn't tell me. So he kicks me out of practice, like, go home. So, you know, I'm shitty. As I'm walking out, you know what I'm saying? I kick his car door, kick, his door, <laughs> kick, his door, kick the window out. Fucking, I'm on one. I'm mad as a motherfucker. I'm trying, you know, everybody trying to get me out of like, Bob, you got to go, you got to go. <laughs> I get to the crib, bro. <laughs> I get to the crib. I'm sitting there, got my peoples at my crib. I'm furious. I'm mad as a motherfucker. Next thing you know, I hear a knock on the door. <laughs> my, my kids young and shit. They come like, hey, dad, the police is at the door. This fool done called the police on me, bro. Called the police on me. Uh, he sent the team security, which they was they policemen during the day. Sent them over to my crib. Was like, yo, Bonzi, you can't come to game four. If you come to game four, he want us to arrest you because he don't feel safe around you. <laughs> like he feel like you're going to hurt him. And Whoa, that's dirty was, shit right there, bro. That's how, that's how it didn't literally. That's how I got out of then. That's how I got out of Memphis. He put a bad thing on me. He traded me as soon as the trade thing came and marked my whole name up in Memphis on some shit that he tried. And the whole story became about me and not about him getting swept out the playoffs. And that's how he played me. And it was the wildest shit ever, bro. So that's why I say fuck Mike Fratello. If I saw Mike Fratello right now, he damn near got to go the other way. Still so, to this day. So you saying if if you saw him on the side of the road and he needed some gas or or some some air in a tire or some help changing the tire, you just gonna keep riding? No, I'm gonna stop and I'm, I'm gonna stop and, and see if he still got that same energy that he had. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not trying to intimidate people, but I just want to see if that energy when we're on a neutral playing field is the same because coaches well, you like don't hold that power. You know what I'm saying? When you got that power of the of the people behind you, you got that machine behind you, you tough as nails, your chest poked out. But I just want to, and I'm, I'm not going to bully him and put my hands on him, but I just would love to see the energy, if he would have that same energy and not be apologetic and trying to be my buddy. Because there's been times that I've been in the club with that clown where he was literally trying to be my buddy because we had it popping and he just 
was just trying to be on the know. He being the, being the it crowd, and he saw we wasn't fucking with him, and he started handling us. So he's one of them dudes that I say fuck him. I'm sorry, I kept my my story long, but you know what I'm saying that's hey, just yeah. and, 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 and he's one of my guys, man. I can't really fuck with and these coaches, man. They just they oh, man. I, I mean, and you know what I'm saying, Sheed, in terms. Yeah. I feel where you come from. Times that you really do the same thing. But just think how many times that 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 coaches has come at you and held stuff over your head because they knew they had that machine about you. Have you ever felt like coaches have poked their chest out towards you and used that machine behind them to, to intimidate you and keep you at bay? Man, like I said, the only one I, I felt like that with was was Dunleavy. Okay. You know, it, it was like I, I felt as though, and and again, Barnes, everybody out there, this is my opinion. This is how I felt. I'm not saying I could be wrong or whatever, but this is how I felt. I felt as though that, yeah, he was he was holding us back. He was hindering us because with a lot of the actions and, and a lot of the shit that we was going through off of the court, as far as like, you know, with the media out there, the Portland media sticking us with the whole jailblazers theme and all of that shit. And, you know, it wasn't a lot of spots for us to hang out. So if if you know we getting dogged out in the media, Right. But yet you want us to give 100 percent on this court or in practice during these games. Hey, yo. Be more than a coach. Yo, you got to defend some shit. Say some shit. When 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 they were saying all this shit about us uh, in the media, yo, I didn't hear him say nothing in the locker room about, yo, that's some that's some bullshit that they saying about y'all and this and that blase blase or about us. This and that. I ain't hear none of that. Like to me, it was just like, hey, I'm the coach and y'all are players. So, you know, we're we're separate from there. It was never no no team dinners or all that. So I know where you're coming from, Cuddy. Yeah, but I mean, you know I, I know I where you're coming from. I, I didn't think about it from that angle, man, because, you know, I, I, I used to tell people this story all the time. I mean, Rashi Wallace never got, you know, Rashi Wallace was blessed that he got us to a situation in Detroit where Joe Dumars and the whole Detroit uh, family protected you because the media was on your ass before you got to before you got to um, oh for sure that was the hardest thing possible but then what i loved about joe and and the, and the detroit family is that they flipped the narrative you know what i'm saying now rashid wallace is beloved when you know what i'm saying it was bad and they, well, we also got a chance to, to see my guy zach randolph do the same thing when he went to memphis you know it was zebo zebo was the you know thugging and all this type of shit and then he get to Memphis and people get to see who he truly is and they embrace it. You know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, we know what it was, what they was doing us out in Portland on, 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 on that type of tip, but we ain't going to go there. But right. that's the type of stuff when you got a city behind you, you got a coaching staff and people behind you that that's not going to let people handle you like that and you feel protected and you can play your best ball. If you look right. at Zach Randolph's best ball was in Memphis. Your best, Some of your best ball was in Detroit. You know what I mean? Because you felt comfortable enough on and off the court. You know, from a coaching and, and the family of, of the organization protecting you, so that that's what's up. That that's really what's up. So so put the put the idiot coaches to the side. Who you wish you would have played for? Now now again, we played in the NBA a long time, so yeah. we've seen a lot of coaches come and go, and yeah. we've seen a, a whole lot of recycled movies. Yeah, right? who you wish you would have played for? I mean, it's, it's in no particular order. I mean, but I, I wish I, I mean, obviously everybody wished they could have learned from a guy like Phil Jackson and, you know, text winners and just kind of, just kind of learning that machine and get the mind, you know, learning the mindset and just kind of being around them. Um, another guy that I always wanted to coach for because one of my OGs always talked about him, Steve Smith, 
but he's talking about OG Lenny Wilkins and how cool OG Lenny Wilkins was. He was like, man, he was just a player's coach, man. You like, you would love to play for Winnie Lenny because he does, you know, he, he, you know, he let you hoop. Well, my guy who I really thought, I, I, and I had a chance to play for him, but I made, you know, I made a decision to go play in Houston, but I really wanted to play for Pat Riley. You know, Pat Riley was one of my guys I felt like could have really got me in shape, got my mind right. You know, he, he was really a strickler on body and getting yourself in shape. And I said I never what never was in shape, but he could have probably got me to that next level mentally and physically. Yeah. And, you know, he's seen, you know, I've heard so many great stories about guys going down there, but it wasn't easy. But when you cross that threshold, it was worth it. And that was one of the organizations, definitely Pat Riley, I wish I could have played for. So, and and I know you probably got your whistlers. What do you think, She Does anybody out there that, you know, besides LB that you would love to play for? Man, for for me, just just from from being a basketball mind, yeah, I would I would definitely have to say um, Pop is one, definitely. Um, you know, just just from watching, well, just from me playing against his system, yeah, and how it was so many different pieces coming in and out of his system, and he was still successful, yeah. and he did it his way. And 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 I don't know if a lot of y'all know out there that, but Pop was the first one in the NBA to really like start resting his players before yeah. they came up with this whole resting rule now or whatever. But Pop started resting them, being being as though because San Antonio had the longest road, I would say the longest uh, uh, road games, road playing games in the yeah. league at the time because they was on the road for like two weeks. Yeah, they had that. They had a rodeo, didn't they? Their trip was what, like a week? Yeah, but they 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 had that annual rodeo. Yeah, yeah, that that whole rodeo that was messing everything up. But yet, road for two weeks. Still, they were still successful, even with resting guys and and doing a lot of things that they did. So, man, I would probably have to say pop. And then, then for me, from a basketball mind, again, from playing against him and watching him coach. I would have to say Mark Jackson, bro. Oh wow, that's a good one. Yeah, Mark's- I would have to say Mark Jackson because I like Mark knows his X and O's. Of course, with him, you got to have a different mindset with with being a point guard. You know, you got to be that facilitator to get everyone involved, and you got to know all the plays. So, with like with Mark Jackson, when I don't know if everyone out there know he was the reason Go to State had success, but they had fired him and kept that same team, and that's when Steve Kerr came in, and of course, you know, the rest is history. But Mark Jackson, man, he knows X's and O's, man, from from watching him, you know, just from, again, outside in. Yeah, he knows X's and O's, bro. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And and, and and we've all had one. You can go back as far as you need to. But is there any coach out there, and I I, I could tell you mine, but is there any coach out there that you had a a love-hate relationship with? Like, I love this dude, but I hate this dude. Like, is there any coach out there that you kind of felt that way? Oh, yeah, for sure. Larry Brown. So that that's your love. <laughs> you love him and you hate him. Man, I love him and I hate him because see, and, and the reason why I say you know the whole the whole hate thing because he's gonna make you think, bro. As as I said, he ain't yelling at you. Oh god damn it, you did. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> he just gonna hit you with some sly shit like like Coach Smith used to do. He gonna hit you with some sly shit like, so you really didn't want to get that rebound and we. We were down one, and you just let him get the rebound. You didn't want it, huh? And then you sitting there like, "What? No, it's 
damn. And then you thinking about that shit, you know what I'm saying? But boy, and, and sometimes, but that's that's what what built you up is that player. That that was his character, you know. LB's that gym rat, and he gonna stay in there. So when you know how coaches be like, all right, we gonna be in here for another five minutes. Let's go over these two plays. He say that that five minutes is gonna be like another half hour, another four <laughs> minutes. Know. Like yo, LB, he was. It was it was a love hate thing. It was more love than hate, though. Let me tell you that because you know, as again, as I said, he's such a great basketball mind, yo. And then that goes to actually even into what I wanted to say next because you know, LB played in the league. LB is one of the few coaches who has a collegiate and NBA ring. Yeah. yeah. So I feel as though with with the way that it all goes down and the way that this league is going, or, or I should say the future of the league, and I don't know if you agree with me or not, though, but do you think that sooner or later, damn near every coach in the NBA, or at least 85, 75, 85% of us that played this game should be an NBA coach? Because if you look at it, yo, even with some of the some of the older coaches, they played in the league. Yeah, guys well, respect them more. Like, like okay, to keep it simple for everybody out there, check it. It's like if you're a carpenter, right? You know, you building houses. You a contractor, carpenter. You building houses. Boom, boom, boom. And here, and here I come. I don't know shit about building a house. I couldn't tell you what a a rivet nail or screw or whatever. I couldn't tell you no lingo about none of that. And I'm telling you what to do now on how to build your house. That's how it is in the NBA. You, you're not respecting that guy that's coming in there and be like, no, you should have put this two by four right here and did this. No, you ain't. Hey, have you ever built a house before? No, I never built it before. I've read some books and watched some TV shows. So you, what you going to say to him? Man, if you don't get out of here, man, that's how we feel with NBA coaches. If you ain't played in this league before, if you ain't stepped foot on a court, yo, that, that respect level is, is a little different. Yeah. So it got to go to former players becoming coaches. Yeah. Well, it got well, to. Well, I think so. And, I, and let me back up to, to, to answer my, my question on my love-hate with my coaches because it kind of goes right into that anyway. And and, and and my love, hey, she, you know, who, 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 he's a guy, man, that, that we hear every, every week on TV and he does the NBA finals. But my love, hey, was with Jeff Van Gundy. And, and, and I say that about Jeff Van Gundy because when I first met Jeff Van Gundy, I, I, I didn't know if I liked him or not. Because the first thing, when I first got to Jeff Van Gundy, I just went through some stuff. I went, I just lost a big contract in Sacramento. So I was going through some shit. Mm -hmm. and Jeff called me in his office, and I remember the first thing Jeff said to me, he looked at me, and he said, guess what, Bonds? I said, what? He said, Mike Rotello, my best friend. And he said, the, and I literally should have got up and walked out, and he set the tone with me, and he looked at me, and I always respect people. I, you know, I respect people, but I hate a liar. And he looked at me in my eyes, and he said, Bonds, I'm saying that to say this is that. I knew you was, you know, as we, when we signed you or whatever, I called him and, and you know, I'm sorry that me and him has never talked one time about you. I never asked him anything about you. So I looked at him and I was like, okay, I knew you lying and this type of dude you are. You're going to try to handle me. 
or whatever. So the whole shit, and he was like, listen, I know you're going through some shit. You know, we got T-Mac, yeah, William, Ray, I, you know, they wanted you here. I didn't even want you here. This is what he said to me. He said, Carol, he said, Carol Dawson, you know what I'm saying, the great Carol Dawson, he's like, he wanted you here. I didn't even want you here, but you're here. I only want you to play. You can kind of just do whatever you want. This is what he said to me on the first day I got there. And I'm looking at this motherfucker like, man, this is crazy. I'm already going through some shit. I really want to jump off the table and choke him. Because I'm doing <laughs> a lot of shit. You know what I'm saying? So I just lost a whole lot of money. So I want to kill I, like anything. I, I was I was ready. So he was like, listen, you can just do kind of whatever you want to or whatever, man. But we ain't fucking with you right now. So I was just like, wow. so, kind of, so, so, I, so a few months went by. I'm watching him do his thing and coaching. And I'm looking at him, and he just, he like, mind you, he'll walk into practice every day, bro. He'll walk into practice, and he'll just do laps around the practice, and he'll mean mug motherfuckers and be like, won't even speak to you. He'll just walk around and do laps. He only five, he, mind you, he's five two with hair plugs and shit. So he's walking <laughs> he walk around that motherfucker mean mugging people. People ain't even speaking to him. Look, look, before Jeff walk on the court, everybody bullshitting and da 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 bullshit. Jeff come on, motherfucker, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? It was fucking me up, bro. I'm fucked up, right? So Jeff walked around that bitch mean mugging. T-Mac over there, Jamal Howard, them, they're like, man, this is how he do, man. Just let him do his thing. I'm like, man, fuck that. Every time I saw Jeff, I walk up to him, give him some dap, and smack him on the ass. Like, what's up, baby? Ooh, ooh. He's <laughs> hey, I'm like, man, I ain't like that. I said, coach, when I see people, I speak every day. Fuck that. I ain't mean mugging nobody. So he's be like, so I did it to him for two weeks straight, everybody laughing every time. Call me in his office, Bonzi. <laughs> You can't even come around here, man. He said, don't even come to practice because you play too much. He said, this is what you do. He said, I need you to come in to practice. See, if we got practice at 11, come in at 1230 so you can be in for the media availability at the end of practice so they can slow you was here. So I did that every day for like two months. So so the whole year he did me like that. So then, so I was like, damn, man, Jeff crazy, man. But I was going through some shit. I wasn't really tripping. But I got to just peeping him out. And I was like, he an asshole, but I got the peeping him out. And I'm like, man, this motherfucker kind of know what he's doing with these X's and O's and shit. Mm -hmm. so, so one time T-Mac got, got hurt, right? And that's when I knew this motherfucker was just an analytic nerd. So he come to me right before T-Mac got hurt and he wanted me to play. He was like, listen, Bonzi, I looked at all the stats and I, I done compiled all the stats of your whole career. I, I broke it down into different quadrants of where you done scored at. And in this one position, you this is where you scored the best at. So that's the only place I want you to shoot my offense. <laughs> I, said, I said, hold on, Jeff, what? He said, I just want to set you up and put you in a position to be successful. The best place to win. And I looked at him and I said, man, you the smartest, dumbest motherfucker I know. And that's the, that's the only thing that could come to my mind. And, and I and, and and I knew that because once I walked into practice, because then he left me. He was like, "Listen, boss, I know I ain't gave you no material. Here, take the playbook. This is the playbook." Damn. <laughs> Just for I still got the playbook, and he was like, "Learn this shit." So I'm thinking he bullshitting, right? I'm thinking he bullshitting, right? Time out, bro. Huh? How many pages is in that motherfucking book? Man, listen, it's probably 500 pages. And this <laughs> is how I know Jeff Van Gundy was crazy, but he's smart. Every day before practice, dog, he would set out 15 chairs with a projector. He would set up plays, and we had to sit there and look at, look at, the, look at the projector, and he would quiz us like we in class. What are we running, Bonzi? Uh, Luther Head. He asked everybody but T-Mac and Yao. Like he used to be on our ass, like, oh, like, look, who's doing this? <laughs> I used to be like, man, and that's when I knew that nerds, 
I mean, no, no disrespect to them, but but he's great to be a good assistant, but I can't look at somebody like him, and that's the only way he viewed the game because he's not been battle tested and shit. He's just a guy that's done watch some film and been outside homie, in. Yeah, and been homie hook up hook up and been on somebody's bench for a lot of years, and then he pokes his chest out because he's been with the greats. But I've never mm-hmm. I always looked at it like there's no way Jeff Van Gundy can tell me how to go get 25 on a motherfucker. Never. Fact. And if you ain't can't do that for me, you're a better assistant ever than a head coach because I, I, I can't look you in the eyes for strength. And I think, to piggyback on what you said now, uh, your question is that that's what it's become to now. Like, these kids ain't going no more. Like, all these all these old coaches and these coaches who's hand, hid behind these analytics and hid behind the fact that they coached on these different benches, no, nah, we ain't going no more, man. If I can't look you in the eyes for strength and if you ain't done this no – before guys ain't really paying attention to you no more. And that's why you see the turnover. And like you said earlier, if you haven't done this, if you haven't been an NBA player or somebody who's really done this, I think that's going to be, you know, your, your job is in jeopardy. I think it really is because guys, yeah, because guys like ourselves and guys who's done this is coming for your job because that's just what it is because these young fellas need to learn from people who's done it before. You know, y'all can't deny us anymore. You know, I'm so we're so blessed now. If you look at the turnover sheet, you know, what I'm saying that's something we need to talk about. Look at all the guys in our era that's coaching right now. I mean, let's let's name them. Let's name on the guys sheet. Who we who we got that just got these jobs? Well, we got Eme. Eme got the Boston gig. Um, Great. Chauncey Billups in, in Portland. Yeah, Broadway Billups in Portland. Uh, Unsell Jr. is in uh, DC. DC. Um, a man, I can't think of his name. He just got the job in Orlando. Uh, he was assistant coach for years. Damn. Uh, really, really he, was, he was with Dallas. Um, yeah, he was with Dallas. I can't think of his name, but, man, shout out to him, man, because he deserved it. I can't think of his um, name. So my Jamal, tongue, no disrespect. I think Jamal something. Damn, I can't. Yeah, Mosley, my Mosley. Mosley. Yeah, yeah. You know, Jay Mosley. Yeah. Yep, and, so, then, um, and then also, don't forget, another, as we just talked about, another former player who got another gig, um, along with Eme, is uh, Willie Green. Yep, Willie Green Willie Green has gotten Phoenix. We talk about the great job he's doing. We talk yep. about the great job. And, you know, we're watching it in the finals right now. You're watching the great job that Monty Williams is doing. Another yeah, former my, my, Oh, man, I'm so happy for Monty. I played against him in college, too. But Monty's killing it, bro. And, and it, again... Bro. Again, as I said, mentioned earlier, he's from up under that Popovich tree. You know, yeah. that's where he got his first coaching gig at. And it really surprised me that Monty retired early and went into coaching. But, I mean, I guess everybody see they lane different. But Monty could ball, too, though. Yeah, he definitely could ball. But, what, you know, what I love about it, like, he got that team believing. And, you yeah. know what I'm saying, and you know, as we know in this game, when you start believing, man, that's the most dangerous tool possible in the court, man, is believing. And he got a – he got – 12 to 15 guys or how many guys they got him all believing in everything he's out there selling and teaching. And, you know, you know, they're, they're up against a tough Milwaukee team, but to what they've done from last year in the bubble to today, I mean, pff, tremendous. And, you know, even going further, you look at what, 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 uh, uh, what, what Indiana did to a Nate McMillan, you know, they let him go through him out to the pasture and he go out there and get a young Atlanta team to the, the and, East. And it's ECF. <laughs> you know that's that that's that's un, that's unheard of. I mean, I mean, you know, you can just look at like you said the the trends of the game is that yeah. former players having success in this league if you give them a chance. You know, we we ain't talk about Ty Lue. Ty Lue is a, a championship coach at that. You know, he got that ring as a coach in Cleveland. 
Yeah, Ty Lue just took a great, you know, uh, injury riddle. L.A. Clippers team to the Western Conference final where they was right there, where they probably yeah. should be in the, if it wasn't for a Kawhi injury, they would probably be in the finals right now, battling Milwaukee. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, it's so many. And then we didn't speak about our brother, like, you know, even as assistant jobs, you know, Damon Stoudemire got a, you know, got a chance to get back into the league after after grinding in the, in, in the collegiate game. I mean, yeah. you know, he may gave him a chance to to, to mold those stars out in Boston. And, and it's yeah, so bring back into the league and shit. Also can't forget uh, Jay Kidd. Man, how did I forget? How did I forget Jay Kidd? We can't forget Jay Kidd. You know, Jay Kidd has done a tremendous job. And to me, the I think the last probably like the last few years he played, he was he was developing his coach's mentality. Yeah. Um, because to me, I always saw him as one of the few point guards uh who played in our league that saw things before it happened. Yeah. And you know, it was hard hard to really say that because he was so damn fast. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm happy for him too getting that gig down there in Dallas and man, it's it's a come up. So I, I definitely gotta gotta agree with you when you said as far as a lot of the newer coaches that's coming up because you gotta go with who the players can relate to because this league yeah. is getting younger and younger. Yeah. And that's that's the crazy thing about it. You know, we asked some of our guys like, yo. Do you know who so and so is? You know who Rip Hamilton is? Like, no, nah, who that? I'm who like, that? what? Like, you know who Robert Horry is? Yeah. No. Nah. Huh? All you know is Kobe, LeBron, and Michael Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you, but 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 just imagine she if they got a chance to learn for every day from some people who's done it before. And then if they even question it, all we got to do is just get on YouTube and Google and show these guys like, man, we don't score 10, 20, 30, 40, 50s in these leagues and double digit rebounds and I played for championships and won championships. Like we've done mm -hmm. everything you're trying to do. And if we don't, if we haven't done it, trust me, somebody on our phone has done it that we can connect you to that can help you get to where you need to be in. And we're not guessing. We 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 just wasn't on the coaching staff where a great player played on. We were those great players. So yeah. that's what that's where I feel like the advantage is that. And it's no disrespect to the analytic coaches and the coaches that have been on the bench, but it's just more or less it's a new day. And if we if we want some plays and some and, and some and some basically some plays, we'll call you. But when it comes to the essence of the game and the connection that these players need, this is a new day. And the future is former former players being coaches. Oh, for sure. It's, and it's definitely going to increase more because yeah. at the end of it all, these younger players we got coming in, they only know what they saw on TV. Yeah. And who do they see on TV is all the NBA stars. Yeah. So who are you going to believe in? You know, it's putting these owners and GMs in more of a tough spot because now you might not be able to go with the analytic guy. Yeah. Why? Because either he can't relate with the players or vice versa. So yep. I got to go with somebody that my guys can relate to. That's going to give me a better chance to win. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, we, and, and we've seen in these NBA finals that it's been a, it's been a adjustment coaching wise that these guys have been back and forth, you know, like, like Coach, Coach Bud, I was kind of worried about him. You know, everybody's got his job on the hot seat saying if he don't win the championship, he's out of there. But, I mean, I think he's made a couple few adjustments that I really respect. And he's, He needed to. He's put his team in a great position. But I, I'm loving what Monty Williams is doing, man. Like we said before, man, Monty is just 
he's working with a lot less than what you know Milwaukee's working with, but he got these guys believing and playing at a high level. And I I personally think that you know Phoenix has a chance to steal this game six in Milwaukee. I mean, I think you know they they, they have nothing to lose. I think their young ones are going to go out there and play their hearts out and, and steal this game. And I think Chris Paul, who in my opinion is one of the top five point guards in the history of the game. Is going to do something special and, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. get back to Phoenix and maybe win a championship there. I mean, I'm not going to say they're going to win it. Well, let me go ahead and say it. I think I got, <laughs> I got Phoenix in seven. I got Phoenix. Hey, they, they better make it in seven. <laughs> they, they, they better figure out a way to try to slow down Chris Middleton and Giannis. Man. But I, I definitely like Monty too, though, dog. Monty is a great, uh, Monty Williams is a great X and O coach. Yeah. Um, he definitely knows what he's talking about for sure. I, I would, I, I would play for him. Yeah, definitely. I would play for him. Well, man, well, I think that's a, that'll be a wrap for us, man. We done did a great job talking about all these coaches and our experience. Man, I love hearing these stories, She, man. You you got a lot to, lot to give. This is funny, dog. You got a lot to give. our stories together. <laughs> yeah, you got, you got a lot to give to the culture, man. But, yeah, but but these coaches, man, I mean, it's a, it's a different age, man. We're not trying to rag on coaches. A lot of things, you know, we're coaches ourselves. But we really just want to just keep it real and tell our stories and just – just talk about what's really happening in the world today and what we see. And we're seeing a lot of turnover with these players from, from the from the NBA on down to the college, AAU, and high school ranks of former players to having success. So shout out to all my brothers in basketball. Keep grinding. You know, keep grinding. And hopefully one day you'll see, our, you know, me and she maybe on the sideline. And, you know, I'm talking like about this. <laughs> Get your ass over here, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So for me and she, man, ball is life. Let's get technical, man. We out this mug, man. Peace. Shout out to my boy Randy, man. Keep doing our thing. Keep making us look pretty, my boy. Randy. Wow.